and five, and four, and three, and two, and one. Holy fuck, this is amazing. This is a minefield of intelligence, genius. These people are fantastic and I'm inspired and I have to keep coming back. Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're going to listen to all week. This is Unfuck My Business. Welcome back to the Unfuck My Business show. This is your host, Chris Delaney, and today I'm excited to share with you a little bit about a principle that I like to call, who do you listen to? And when I think about who I listen to, I think about this principle. They call it the law of association. Some of you all might have heard, if you hang out with four readers, you're going to be the fifth reader. Four rich people, you're going to be the fifth rich person, I hope. Sometimes if you hang out with the wrong people, it can be just as bad, right? I like to say this. I'm from New York. And so if you hang out with four eagles, you'll soar. But if you hang out with four pigeons, you're going to spend your spare time shitting on cars from rooftops. I don't want to be shitting on cars in my spare time. I want to hang out with great people. I want to hang out with doers. I want to hang out with people who are looking at big ideas with me and want to make that shit happen. So today, I'm going to introduce you to my A-team, the people I talked about in our very first episode, the people that I called up with a crazy ask, and I said, hey, listen, I have no idea where this is going to go, but I need your time. I need your talent, and we're going to do something with this, and I don't know what yet, but you're going to help me with this if that's cool with you. And you got nothing else better to do on a Tuesday night or a Sunday night anyways, because listen, it's COVID. Where are we going, right? So I'm going to introduce you to some of these people who I listen to, the people who've been where I've been, are where I desire to be, and the people that are in my inner circle. Because when you're listening to people, you want to make sure that they're able to provide insight. They don't change your ideas. They're asking great questions. They're the people who ask the considerations you haven't thought of. So today, I'll introduce you step-by-step step, who was called first, second, third. Not that they were my first choice, second choice. I don't want them to know that. Be careful with that. But we're going to go for it, guys. Listen, the first person I called when it came to putting together this crazy idea of how we can help people unfuck their businesses with our collective resilient entrepreneurs was a guy you may have heard, the grumpy old bastard of tech, Jenks himself. What's going on, my brother? How are you? Hey, man. It's another uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Listen, man, <laughs> I know we talked a little bit about how you and I got started and the conversation where we got a little drunk on some mimosas. <laughs> and we decided to put this little Zoom call together from around the world. But what was COVID like for you when things first started ripping and happening? You had your own stuff going on. And what kind of considerations came up for you? And I was like, hey, man, don't know what's going to happen, but let's go for it. What's going through your mind? I mean, the biggest things, in a lot of ways, I'm lucky because we've built our team at our company from the ground up to be cloud-friendly and remote workable. Being able to be mobile has always been a priority for us. And that's worked well for like, you know, dealing with hurricanes in the past and things along that line. So COVID just became another sort of disaster response type situation and we were well prepared for it. So in the course of a weekend, essentially, uh, we took our company 100% remote with 22 employees and life didn't change much from that perspective. You know, we we're spending a lot more time at home, but aside from that, the business carried on as usual. But what I was seeing all around me was people getting laid off, businesses closing their doors, and seeing businesses that in particular didn't have the resiliency required to shift in the face of such a major social upheaval that you know, I, I, was, I was already in the mindset of what can I do to help. Mm. So when that first conversation came about, you know, that's the thing that I keyed in on is, you know, hey, we've got people in our community who are hurting. How can we do something right now that might help them? For me, that was big. So there was no idea what we we're going to do. 
nope. and how we're going to make it happen. And so the question for you, Jinx, is who do you listen to? How do you filter that through? Because, man, you've been around the space for, what, 120 years or so? So how do you deal with that as the grumpy old bastard, as cynical as you are in everything that you've seen? Well, I mean, one of the things that I think it's easy to do, especially in, in our contentious social environment right now, is create our own little echo chambers of opinion that help support our preconceived worldviews. And so one of the things that I'm a monster about is trying to get to verifiable underlying facts. And that's not always perfect, but when I center that as a core thing, it means that I don't knee-jerk share some opinion that supports my own. When I do see these things, especially when they're inflammatory, I tend to try and go look for neutral sources of data on that. So it's not so much that I listen to any individual per se, but I'm a huge fan of things like PubMed and some of the generic news feeds like Reuters and AP that are just providing data and letting you sort through that. When it comes to who I listen to, hard data is my biggest filter. So hard data is king. And I know that we talked about this as well, because when COVID's first reared its ugly head and we didn't really know what to expect, you know, the, the online space, I mean, Facebook, everybody became a medical doctor overnight. <laughs> and, you know, it was Bill Gates and his 5G trying to fry everybody's brain through their tinfoil hats and shit like that. But it was really interesting to see that response. And so I remember I asked you, how do we begin to find really actionable, clear data that can help these businesses and the people around them? And what would that look like? What would we have to do? And, and you and I had some thoughts and ideas about like a think tank. And, and I said, you know, a, a mastermind. And it was like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, so, it's, you know, taking out the commercial aspect of it is important. If there's a sales pitch, then it's like there's less of uh, an objectivity to it. And so, you know, I, I definitely have always wanted to be involved with something that was a little bit more about the meat of the offer versus the pitch of it. Yeah. And so when you're, we, we've had a lot of discussions at this point. I mean, by the time, you know, this episode airs, we'll have been doing this for about 30 or so weeks or more. Most of the year, we've been dedicated every single Tuesday night. And then Sundays, we have strategic meetings. And this is voluntary. You know, we're coming together with expertise. And obviously, you position in the technology space and the data and the digital space. How do you feel like you know, you're, you've been providing like real insight to individuals who've been coming to the table asking about their businesses? Well, a lot of times when, when people are asking about their businesses, they're asking emotional questions. And that's where it comes back down to the data. You know, People are so married to their brand or their brand message or their belief in a concept, which is itself an emotional position. And so I, I try to sort of help frame that and provide some outer edges. You know, when you build a puzzle, the easiest way to do it is to find the corners and start working your way in, right? And so I like to use the math and some underlying just basic statistical questions to really start framing that in. Let's really see what this looks like. And I think deconstructing it down to those core basic principles is always a good place to start when you're looking at business problems. Because while it feels like, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my family. I'm not going to be able to pay for groceries. The real question is, my revenue is way down. How can I make that better? And so we have to kind of divorce the emotional side of it from the, the hard data side. I love it. You can all see why I chose Jinx as somebody I had to have in the corner when we launched this thing. So I'm going to move over to the, the next person that by proximity itself was leveraged into this crazy journey. And she's followed me into many and I followed her into hers as well. And I respect everything about her and the way she does business. Danielle, Laura, how are you? Hey, Chris. I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. 
This is great. So you got to see the ideation of this happen from a real-time point of view because it was about 30 days before things took me to Jinx and having that conversation. And you kind of saw the back-end planning of this thing. But what got you excited to be a part of hopping on these Zoom calls and taking your Tuesday nights and your Sundays and all this time for an idea? Realistically, it was a very inopportune time because we were launching, you, myself, and our, and our other business partner were launching two other businesses that we had been working on for about a year at that point. So we were extremely busy and had a lot on our plates. But what was so appealing about this concept of core, which we didn't have a name for at that point, was helping businesses pivot in the time of crisis, which at that point was COVID. And I think any time we're able to come in, for me anyway, anytime I can be a part of something groundbreaking that I know in my soul is going to positively impact humanity in some way, I want to be a part of it. So it was pretty easy for me to accept that and to say yes, despite all of the other things that were going on, because I really could feel into the vision of bringing together this collective group of experienced, competent individuals who could really collectively help whomever was going to be able to come in and need business help and pivoting in that period of time. So that was very worth it to me. So how did you make the decision, right? So we had the development of a website we've been working on and a company we had in development for almost a year, right? We had a partner. We were on calls day after day getting this website set up. Our partner up in Canada, Aaron Fogo, shout out, dope socks and creative, incredible individual. And we had spent all this time, right? We were in full cost of commitment mode. We were, we were invested financially, emotionally, spiritually probably. So how did you make that decision that you were like, hey, let's, let's make the pivot for ourselves, and begin to start focusing on serving without any expectation of what's going to happen. So anytime I make decisions, I put it through the filter of, is this in alignment with a core value or belief that I have? And a core value and belief that I have is I always want to help people in the best way possible. So knowing that that was something that was in alignment with what core was going to become, it was a pretty easy decision for me. So for you as a, as a business owner and for somebody who's been around at all, I mean, you've seen all the business stuff out there in the online space, all the gurus, all the nonsense. What do you think makes CORE so different from the idea to how we've been doing what we've been doing for the last 30 or so weeks? A lot of stuff out there that I've seen and have even been a part of is a lot of fluff. It's a lot of really strong marketing and a lot of selling on a lot of fluff versus what our group is really was this place to be raw, real, and like, let's get shit done. Not just talk about stuff, but let's actually implement and bring these changes to life. And I think there's not enough implementation out there from what I've seen. There's a lot of talk, not a lot of doing. So this is a group of doers. And I think that's what sets it apart. Also coming to a place where you may have strangers in this group, you may never have met these people before, but being able to be a judgment-free zone where it's safe, where you guys can freely talk about what's not working in your business and be open enough to receive really pointed feedback that can truly help you that's pretty incredible. And it's pretty rare. Uh, I don't see that a lot. I love it. And so for you, how do you make decisions on who you listen to? What filters do you run it through? And how do you decide where to spend your time, money, and attention? I ask myself, does this person or business, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, does this person have what I want? Are they where I eventually want to be? And do they understand my business or my relationship, my whatever, whatever it is in life? And if those things are yes, great. I'm probably going to listen to them. If it's a no, I let their opinion go. Everybody has opinions and they want to be valued. But if this person does not have what ultimately what you want and know how to help you get it, let it go. 
I agree 100%. What would you say is the most difficult thing you've had to face as we've been kind of navigating the space this year, aside from obviously the undefined, then giving away from some of the momentum we've had in other areas? What would you say is the biggest challenge that you've had to face or the problem you've had to solve this year? I think emotional resiliency around the pivoting in business, in my own, my own personal business with my, with my private client work, our several businesses. There have been a lot of pivots this year because things were getting shut down or certain you know, the things, everything kept having, it seemed like a halt at some point. And so when that happens, it's like we put in so much energy and effort and resources. Now what? Well, you have to pivot. So I, I would say the theme of 2020 that I've learned is to pivot with grace and understand nothing is really guaranteed. So how can we pivot with grace in the quickest way possible to still be able to produce an outcome that's going to be beneficial for everyone involved? So would you say that COVID really, because as entrepreneurs, we like to do shit on our own, right? We like to be those visionaries. We, we all are very, very strong on our own. And so sometimes the integration of other people onto like a team, for instance, like I wasn't that guy who liked doing group projects in school. I hated it. You're probably not going to do as good as I am really because just let me do it, right? Just put your name on it. We'll handle it because we don't want all that confusion. So was it difficult for you to come to the table with really strong people like this and to find a place within for us to operate really well together? Or did you find that there was a little bit of a, a challenge or was it really easy for you? I wouldn't say it was difficult at all with this group because everybody in here are exceptional leaders and doers. So that was really refreshing. That was in, insanely refreshing for me because I'm used to being the one that has to lead everybody and kind of drag them along. I was the kid that hated group projects because I would do everything, you know, same as what you said. So it was really easy and super refreshing that everybody was coming into this group with such a level of expertise and ownership in their own spaces that made it a really collaborative, easy process. Love that feedback. I'm going to jump from you to another individual. This is where it gets fun because just talk to two people that know me extremely well. We're going to go out to some people that I literally messaged. So I messaged probably close to about 60 or so people that I intentionally focused on with the, the social media following and then also people in my phone book. I said, who would I love to partner with in some way, shape or form? Again, with the ask of, I don't know what this looks like, but if you're open, would you like to be a part of this? Because I think we can do some really epic shit together, help some businesses. And I think that you have an expertise that I think could be really useful in this, where you lead from who you are and all that good stuff. So Kathleen Seide was somebody that I had met at our entrepreneurial social club here in St. Pete. Danielle and I had met her when we first moved down here and she's become a very good friend of ours. And obviously from the real estate space and everything else, I mean, she helped us find her home here in Tampa, but there's some key principles and things about you as an individual that I really deeply respected, not to mention she fucking dives into caves in the dark miles down into the ocean. I mean, how badass is that? So no stranger from the difficult, but I want to ask you a question. What was it like when you got this message from me and I was just like, hey, don't know. Something could happen. We're going to do something here. We're going to go. We're going to launch. Here's when the call is. What was that like for you, Kathleen? So it starts out, you give me a call and you're like, hey, there's this thing I want to do. I'm getting a bunch of people together. And then you start listing off some of the people. And like, these are some of my very favorite people that I've met in the last year, year and a half here in St. Pete. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, do I want to spend an hour or two on the phone with these people? Yes. I love every opportunity I have to hang out with these people because they operate from a place of abundance. They cheer each other's successes. They share amazing information freely. Yes, I want to be in that room. Please and thank you. That was my response inside when you called me. 
were you in a space where you were seeing things happening real time and so you were open or would you say you had to make some shifts and some pivots yourself? I mean, as far as my work schedule and stuff goes, COVID had come in and we were, we were locking down. Work was slower. Uh, we've always been really financially conservative, so there wasn't a pressure there. And I was looking at ways of supporting people around me and supporting my community. So I was looking at the ways in which people needed to be supported, the emotional journeys that they were going on, the confusion, the panic in places, lack of understanding around how a virus works. And so I was doing what I could to reach out and support people. I have a lot of tools around remaining calm and centered and mindful. And I was trying to share that with people. So I was actively trying to reach out and do the things that I could do to contribute to supporting my community already. And then you came in with this business aspect of being able to support and contribute to what other businesses in our community were doing, which was amazing. So what would you say was the experience like for you? Because I know one of the things that we really jived on in the very beginning when, when social media was a thing, it was like people just gravitated because they had so much free time and they're trying to, to download all this information on Facebook and everything else. We kind of challenged each other back and forth to be present and to be present with communities and to share ways to connect because people were in emotional chaos, right? And yeah. um, we kind of started with that. What was, what was that all about? What was that like? I was shocked at the response that I got. I, I really didn't expect people to resonate with the message that I was putting out there in the way that they did. I didn't realize the magnitude of the voice that I had in the community I've built around me and the people that want to be around me and, and are listening to what I have to say. I would put a post out just about certain techniques you could use to, to get to bed more easily because, you know, with the high levels of stress, people are having trouble sleeping. And so I went through and just did a little Facebook live about that. And I got all these messages from people saying, thank you. And this is amazing and keep doing it. And it's great to see you. And I wasn't prepared for that response. It was really beautiful. So you say you weren't prepared, like walk me through that. What was that like? I'm used to interacting on a deep level, one-on-one -on -one with people. You know, I connect, we get into deep conversations, you know, dig through some meaty stuff, but I tend to do it one-on-one. -on -one. I don't do it from behind a camera. I don't do it on stage. And so there wasn't really an expectation that there would be an audience at all. You know, I'm just putting something out there and I figured, you know, there'd, five, there'd be five people that pop on my live and I'd be like, okay, cool. I'd say hi to them and I'd talk and then I'd go about my day. And I wasn't prepared for it to have more of a life than that. And it really did. And it was really profound to see how much impact it had on people's lives and being able to spread that to them and, and help them in those ways. It was really cool. I love it. And you're no stranger to the journey of life the things that you've gone through. I'm excited that down the road we'll probably be doing, well, I know we'll definitely be doing an interview together, going more in depth. And I really respected the fact that you blended and you're very open about that journey as I am as well. And I resonate that with so much about people who are who they are, no matter what's in front of them, no matter who's asking the questions, no matter what format it's in, you're very much are who you are. So it's easy to know what to expect and where you lead from, which is so open, which is awesome. And I'm going to ask you that question too. How do you choose who you listen to? What do you look for? I like to be around people who operate from a place of abundance, who celebrate the people around them succeeding. I love it when I'm the least smart person in the room. 
I want to be around people who are experts in whatever it is that they're really passionate about and love sharing it. And one of my favorite things, anybody that I meet in general, so outside of picking a person to, to pay attention to, I meet a lot of people in my work, you know, whatever. I meet a lot of people and I'm not going to let a meeting go without having a value to it. So I have very focused questions that tend to open people up about what they're passionate about and what, what can I learn from them? What do they have that's unique to them that they can share with me? So I start with that in every person I meet. And the people that I really pay attention to and listen to are people who have that positive energy about them, but also have this level of expertise that I'm constantly learning from them. I, I'm passionate about learning. I'm a very curious person. You know, I tend to have an eclectic collection of information in my head because I just soak up information as much as I can from the people around me. So my last question is, what's your favorite question to ask to get to the core of somebody? I ask them about what they're passionate about. I'll, I'll come to them and ask them what they do. And they start telling me about work. And I'm like, no, 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 like, not work. Like, what do you do? Like, what, what really excites you? And they're shocked. Like nobody ever asks this question to people, apparently. And right. they will pause for a minute and stare at me and be like, you, you really want to know that? I'm like, yes, that's the only thing I want to know. Tell me about it. And that opens them up and, and creates this really interesting conversation. So especially in what you do with real estate, I know that was my last question, but I'm always breaking this rule. And because you're in real estate, there's always that aspect of, I remember meeting people and like, oh, I'm a real estate agent. I'm like, great. I know a million real estate agents and I want to know what you do for a living. I want to know what you live to do. So when it comes to that industry that you're involved in, and you've been doing it for quite a long time, how would you say you've differentiated yourself and create this incredible experience that we were a part of as well, because we just bought a house, obviously. But how have you created that as a business owner in a space that's so congested and people just kind of are who they are to a degree? For me, we operate from a place of your home supports your lifestyle. And when you start from that perspective, you realize you have to really dive into who a person is and what they value before you can start looking at the details of the what's and the where's of a particular property and what's right for them. So until you know what is going to blow their socks off and really get them excited about living somewhere, how can you tell them whether a house is right for them or not? So it's all about really customizing that experience and diving deep into that, who they are, what they value, what's important to them and their family before you even start talking about a house. As a byproduct of that experience, spot own, spot own, as a friend of mine used to say, love that. So now I get to go to a very unique position, which is I get to talk to a couple, one of which I, I had met of this couple at ESE as well. And I heard him talking about Sherland Suites. And we were sitting next to each other and having a discussion about marketing and some other conversations and then got to meet his beautiful wife. But we were able to sit down, break bread together and have a discussion, but we hadn't really spent that much time together. So it's going to be a fun one. So I'm going to bring Jen and Victor to the table and ask the question. I know I reached out to you, Victor, and I said, hey, man, this is crazy, but I also know you're crazy too. And I sent you that message. So what was, do you remember what that message said? I can't look back at my text, but do you remember what it was and what you initially thought about what I sent over to you? So like you just said, I have probably met you in person twice in my life. I went to the Entrepreneurs Socials Club and you were there sitting next to me and we were talking, just kind of clicked, kind of like a bromance type of thing, love at first sight type of situation. I um, called an asshole at that meeting too, by the way. 
I remember that, yes. And I knew, I thought you knew the person. That's, a, that's another story. But you ended up not knowing who he was. He was kind of crazy. And then uh, we went out for dinner about a week later. Uh, you and Danielle, me and my beautiful wife. And we talked about a lot of shit. We talked for about two hours, maybe two and a half hours about all sorts of stuff from businesses to spirituality and, and all sorts of stuff that we went to. And then we kind of went our separate ways. And then that's when COVID kind of hit. And that's when everything started to happen. I believe you actually called me. I got a phone call from you and you said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give, put some people together in, a, in this Zoom call. I've not done a Zoom call ever in my life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to help our businesses. So I, I like that part. For the ones that know me, they know that I, I enjoy talking about business. That's kind of what I, I really am passionate about. Improving processes. How can I help you? That has been my, throughout my life, that's what I've, what I've liked doing and what I've actually done. So I like the part of you telling me that we're going to help businesses. So I pitched it to, to my wife now, to uh, Jennifer. I said, babe, she, he, you know, this guy's calling me. Remember Chris, the crazy tall guy? You know, he's calling me up. We're going we're gonna to jump in this call, helping businesses. I have no idea what we're going to do. I was very oblivious of everything that was turning out to be at this point. So we decided just to kind of join you and give it a try. I was in the midst of, obviously, COVID had just hit. I have a food truck for the ones that don't know. And um, my business relies on events, outdoors events. And all those events were canceled, like, one day after the other. I keep getting emails, you know, this thing's canceled, this, that thing's canceled. So I wasn't really fearful about my economics in my household. I, you know, I, I have a job. My wife has a job as well. We're fine. But my business was certainly crumbling and, and, and just crashing down. So that's kind of how it went. I went in with a kind of, kind of like a growth mindset to see what this is going to take us. And we jump on the call. And um, I'll let Jennifer explain how I pitched it to her. I would love to hear this. How'd that go, Jennifer? Well, um, it was an easy sell. I will say that. Obviously, everyone here is his beautiful accent. How can you say no to anything he asks? <laughs> so anytime I'm asked to jump into something, absolutely yes. No, but in all honesty, um, as Victor alluded to, my day job allows me to explore the people helping people movement. And it's something that's greater than the fact that I work at a financial institution. And one of the things that I immediately aligned with was helping businesses. And I was like, I have to be a part of this. On the first call, I'm hearing the repertoires and the wonderful things that all of these individuals are bringing to the table. I'm like, holy fuck, this is amazing. This is a minefield of intelligence, genius. These people are fantastic and I'm inspired and I have to keep coming back. I love it. I love it. So there's a lot of complexity going on in the household though, right? You guys have kids. You have the best damn empanada and churro truck in town, right? But doesn't have business coming to it. And then, you know, there's this whole entire thing. And, and why I love this too, is that you both come from that financial background, right? Working with, with small and large banks and being able to dissect the information. I know Jinx has been talking about it from the economic point of view in terms of how economics works, which always makes my eyes glaze over, but I'm glad to have him in my corner because I can defer to him and say, does this make sense? But also for y'all, I mean, business owners were looking at like PPP loans, EIDL money. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And you guys just kept showing up. But how do you balance that with kids and everything else going on as well? I would say commitment and priority. My priority at that moment in time was 
as an executive at a financial institution, I'm also a giver. And I firmly felt that it was in my best interest and it was my responsibility to show up as a giver and a person that says, what do you need? What's going on for you? So I really never focused on myself. I think that we've done an excellent job of having self-reliant kids and just being there for them in the way that they needed to, just as I would for anyone else. So having another opportunity to give, it was very easy to prioritize coming to and showing up week after week to core. Yeah, so I second that as well. Obviously, for the first part of COVID hitting us and and me feeling it personally with my business and, and, and crumbling down, and I'm part of this community of food truckers and I hear, you know, all day long, I'm hearing these guys, everybody kind of struggling. So what I loved about coming into core is that I was able to switch from, oh my God, this is happening. How am I going to fix me? How am I going to fix my business and, and, and get better at it? And then I could switch it to, listen, I'm sure everybody's kind of going through what I'm going through. How can we collaborate together and kind of help each other and fix each other's up? And, you know, obviously I've been in, in several, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've done many things. So I found it in the first few calls that I could bring some value to those businesses. So that, that really turned me on to continue to show up every Tuesday and spend numerous hours. I mean, we, we go on for three, four hours on Tuesdays and, and I just enjoy it. And, and, and that's kind of what I, what I liked. I was able to switch my mindset from, oh, fuck, what am I going to do about my business? How, how am I going to pivot? And, and just kind of switch it to, listen, how can I be of value to other people, to other businesses? How can we collaborate? How can I ask for help? Maybe you, you have different ways of, you know, that you think you can help me. So that collaboration and that change of mindset going from how can I get better? How can I get out of this to go to how can I help other people? How can I add value to other businesses? I love that. And that transition from feeling sorry for yourself to realizing that you can help others, I think is where the difference between the immaturity and the maturity in business goes for me and my, my opinion. It's like you're in the space of like, oh shit, there's a lot going on. But also to have the wherewithal to put yourself to the side for a second and say like, listen, shit's going down. I can help a lot of people with what I know that I forgot yesterday. And that's what I love the expertise that you both led from. So my question for you is, and for both of you is, how do you know who you listen to? How do you choose? You listen to with all the stuff out there, all the books, the people, the voices. How do you choose? So I love kind of the call out that Jinx made to not having an echo chamber, definitely getting a whole plethora of objective ideas and opinions. But I think one of the key things that I look at is consistency in terms of this is what I say, this is who I represent myself to be, this is my value as a business, and are the actions there that support all of what you're, what you're stating? So, you know, coming from a financial institution, we are data rich. And being in the not-for-profit space, we share. And there's more than 3,500 credit unions across the United States. So we are not at a deficit of information and information that is true and very specific to a lot of communities that we get to pull from. But what I look at is, are you leading in your actions as a business from the same place that you communicate? And that consistency really gives me that confidence of authenticity. Yes, I second that as well. Authenticity to me is, is huge. I like people that challenge my train of thought. I mean, I've done certain things and I do it my way. I've done it, you know, I've done things the way I do them because that's me. But I like to hear people's opinions and when they challenge my opinions in a, in a very articulate, smart way. So definitely authenticity. 
And kind of what Jennifer says about being congruent of what you're saying and how, what your life look. Don't come to me and give me a business advice if, if, you're, you know, if you've never had a business or perhaps I've never done the things that I, where I want to be. So you can tell me, but I'm not really going to listen to who I listen to other people that are where I want to be or perhaps are kind of taking the same path. And I love you know, diversity and, and different mindsets to challenge my own mindsets, my own thoughts. So that's, that's huge for me as well. So we're going to have a lot of fun, I think, you know, in future episodes where we get a chance to dive into some of this stuff. For those listening, if you haven't heard Victor's accent, it's absolutely true what Jennifer says. So you can do anything if you listen to Victor's voice in the morning. That's truly what keeps me going with core. But anyways, it is time to bring Jinx back to the table because we get to describe a little bit about how it's important to know that when you do have a vision, I believe in this concept, when you have that person in mind of who you're looking for, you don't have to absolutely know that person. It's all about the relationships and the willingness because when you're congruent, as Victor said, my belief is, is that people will bring other people and resources to the table. One of the cool additions that is just incredible from a space of somebody who has a killer taste in music, wildly creative, really outspoken, and just somebody I absolutely just love to talk to and spend, I don't know, four to five hours in a Zoom call on a Tuesday night just shooting the shit aside from business has been the addition of Robin Sales to our leadership team. And what's cool about this is that Jinx actually invited her to one of our calls and this will give some insight. So I'm gonna let Jinx, I'm gonna let you take it away and kind of talk a little bit about how Robin came to the table and then Robin will, will have a little discussion about that too. But how did everything come to be, Jinx? Well, it's, you know, we were talking about trying to expand a little beyond the, the initial group that we put together in CORE. And I think you had specifically said, hey, you know, go out and look in your friends group this week and see if there are other people that you think might be a part of this. And I engage with a lot of people in the business networking space, but I don't think very many of them are people that I consider similar to me in some ways. And this really kind of applies like across a lot of fronts with Robin. A, she's someone who has a clear visual brand. She and I both have that in common. We are instantly recognizable in our space and have had multiple, you know, sort of cartoon illustration type caricatures made that fit with our branding. We're, you know, visually unique people who are identifiable on that front. So I've always like respected that about her from a brand perspective. But she's also you know, sort of an open-ended creative entrepreneur with like hard skills to bring to the table. And I think that, you know, so many of the folks in the networking space that I've met really kind of aren't that. There's a lot of folks who are sort of into, you know, high-level info marketing or consulting, coaching, but don't necessarily have certain kinds of technical skills to actually create things to do some of the foundational physical work. And Robin is one of those people. I mean, she's someone who can write and create content and create courses and systems and, and like, you know, has some of the technical skills necessary to really do. And in a mission of trying to make sure that I was looking for doers who could bring more skills to the table, she was just an obvious standout to me. So I reached out and I'm like, hey, here's what we're doing. I'm going to add you to the group. Is that cool? She's like, yeah. And then after our very first meeting, she's like, Wow y'all are actual action takers. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, that's perfect because that's what I've been looking for. I believe my exact message to Chris was, holy shit. Thank you so much for inviting me to this call. These people are actually doing things. I needed this so much. 
So what was that like for you, Robin, that you and I had never met before? So I didn't get the chance to send you that like really vague message, like Mission Impossible, like this will self-destruct in 10 seconds. So you came into the call and, you know, you came into our, our realm and kind of what was that like for you? What was different about it? It felt a little like a whirlwind, which is a word that gets a bad rap nowadays. So I, I want to clarify, I don't mean that in a negative way. Sometimes you get sucked into a really good whirlwind. And so, you know, just from the moment of getting the invitation to, I don't really know what this is about or what's going on, but I trust Jinx, you know, everything else he's invited me to so far has been A plus. So let me see what's going on. And right away that first Tuesday call, you're like, okay, so how can we help you? What do you need in your business? And I was a little like, uh, uh. Like, like the kid, the new kid at the first day of school. I'm like, I'm not really prepared to answer that question, sir, but I will come back to you. But just being asked that question made me know like, oh, okay, these are my people. And within an hour of the questions being asked and the solutions being offered and like, I don't remember specifically what it was, but like you fixed somebody's shit on the very first call that I was on. And I was like, yes. These are my people because I, <laughs> while I love to talk theory and philosophy, I, I also need to execute. I think that's the thing that holds most people back is that they don't take the action. And the reason I've left so many other groups is like, okay, well, we're still talking in the same circles and nobody's actually doing anything and nobody's moving this forward. So let me go try the next one and see if any of those folks are actually trying to move things forward. Like we all know it's a weird time. We've all either got a part of our business or know a related business that everything came to a screeching halt as a result of COVID. Like, great. I don't need to talk about that anymore. (laughs) What I need to talk about is how do we help? What do we do different? I'm in an industry as a speaker where it was not only my source of income, it was also my main source of marketing. And both of those rugs got pulled. So Part of it was, I need help, but I don't think I realized how much help I could get or really needed, but I was more coming at it from the things that I have done up to this point don't work anymore. I don't know how to help people right now, so let me go to a place where they seem to know how to help people, and maybe I'll get the market research to figure out what I can put out now, what I can do now. And instead of just getting research to figure out, oh, this is the kind of content I can put out, I've been able to actually help people, (laughs) like immediately, tangibly. And that's kind of remarkable at this moment. What was mind-blowing to me too was that it wasn't two weeks in, I think, that we had our initial talks about putting a podcast together. And we had met on a Sunday, we talked about it, and within, I think it was like two weeks, you and Jennifer had gotten together and discussed like how to put this thing together. And you gave probably one of the most impressive presentations I've ever seen as somebody who loves to work with teams and and talk to businesses about like having great people around you. I was just mind blown. I was like, there's considerations of how long this should take. There's considerations of what obstacles we could have. There's considerations of long-term planning. And oh, by the way, we have a team of eight people that are ready to put this thing together. And then Jennifer brings Faith to the table, which is, you know, our, our producer who's kick ass, by the way. So and I will, I will get her on this show. And it was amazing. And, and so within that, it was like a good indicator of like shit gets done. And then it was like rapid fire. We have our content planning meetings. We have our talk about implementation. 
And then we put our first four episodes in the can and we're still going. So it was really cool to see, especially for you in that branding space and that messaging space for you to come to the table and like give all this to the group, which in my opinion, you know, Kathleen was talking about abundance before and I'm of the philosophy like knowledge is free. There should never be a problem with giving as much as you can because that means you have more to give. And there's never like a point of like, oh, I shouldn't give too much. Hashtag value by my course. And that was really cool. So how did you make that decision for you? Was that just like an innate easy thing where it was like, I can provide this immediate insight and value? Or was it like, a, I feel like this could be a little bit of a risk? Or how did you evaluate that time for yourself? You have kids too, right? Kids, business, all bathroom renovations, all kinds of stuff going on. So many bathroom renovations. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I'm still trying to figure out how to keep this business afloat. And I've got one son who's entering college online. And I've got another son who's entering middle school online. And guess what? Nobody leaves the house anymore. And yet I keep getting involved in more things. And I don't know if we've properly qualified like how fast this machine moves. Like within like two to three weeks. And I, I hadn't even had a chance to talk to my best friend. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't entirely know. I have an equity stake in something. And apparently we're doing a podcast. And I just keep saying yes to everything because it's fun and people are actually doing stuff. And so I think the short answer to your question is that's just how I'm built. The thing that you should get me in trouble in the corporate world and in the corporate sales world where you are taught to like keep everything close to your chest and hide all your secrets and don't give any of that stuff away. It's like that always bothered me. And I treat everybody like they're my best friend, even if I met you five minutes ago, because that's what I just love to do. And I like to be around people who are moving and grooving and getting things done and making things happen. And I like to collaborate and I like to be, if you'll excuse the terrible and timely pun, I like to be in the room where shit happens, right? (laughs) And so here in the midst of all the, I don't know how to move myself forward quite yet. I do know how to move these people forward. You want to start a podcast? I can fucking start a podcast. I've been in the podcast space helping people since 2016. Like I got everything and I'll lay it all out and I will point the direction. You guys got to be ready to run. And it was really exciting for me to be around people who were like, cool, let's run, let's go. (laughs) And so for you, how do you choose who you listen to? You're in that space of gurus and people who are saying things from stages and all that good shit. So how do you choose where you get the most hashtag value from? Yeah. And and (laughs) I'm going to ruffle some feathers with my answer. And I'm no longer afraid to ruffle some feathers with my answer because of some of the people that I've worked with, I have had a chance to see the man behind the curtain. And I do know that some of it is BS, right? And I made a conscious choice about a year ago and it ended up being perfect timing because I'm so glad I stopped listening to some of those voices before this moment happened. But I made a conscious choice as a middle-aged white woman, (laughs) I decided I don't have time or space to entertain voices that haven't fought the same or harder fights that I'm fighting every day, which means I no longer listen to mediocre middle-aged white men. You don't have anything to teach me, right? And so when I look around, those men who would on paper fulfill that qualification, 
the defining characteristic is they are not average. They are above average. <laughs> I am looking for above average voices. I am looking for extraordinary voices. I have been on this journey of making very conscious decisions about the diversity of information that I take in. When I notice that the algorithms are feeding me too many white female voices, I make conscious changes to go seek out alternative points of view so that I can reach all of those people with whatever message needs to get out there. You know, we're in this extraordinary pivot time and I've had the fortune and the luxury to collect some skills that serve me very well in a digital work from home capacity. And I know a lot of people haven't. And so if I want to get those skills to them, I need to make sure it's coming from a place that's going to appeal to a broad range of voices and not just voices that look and sound like my own. And so for me, the decision of who I listen to is counterbalanced by who I'm trying to reach because if they're who I'm trying to reach, then I need to listen to them as well. Love that. There's so much to dive into. And we're going to wrap up here for a second, but man, I can't wait to sit down with each one of you one-to-one and dive more into about you, your journeys. And right off the rip, I mean, listening to this right away, the question was, who do you listen to? Well, this gave you a good insight into what to listen to. We heard in here, listen to people who have what you want and been where you've been and take that a step further. Be really discerning in who you listen to and be very specific about that and be more intentional about what you're trying to learn. Stay away from the algorithms because the algorithms are going to feed you what is congruent with what you like. And so in order for you to understand who to listen to, sometimes you need to be challenged, as Victor said earlier, which I love as well. I love people who can challenge me and we can have that discussion. And the level of intensity that folks bring to this table. And, you know, Danielle talked about a willingness to change momentum, to pivot and to put the time in. And Jinx obviously discussing about how do we bring more people to the table? Who are the right fit? How do we bring people into this cauldron of intensity where we actually get shit done and do things? And Kathleen kind of smoothing that out with the idea of let's teach people also how to handle the emotions, right? How do we handle the ebbs and flows of what's going on? And I will continue to operate with this inner circle of people because I really trust, love, and respect every single person here. And these are the people I listen to. So for you listening right now, what do you do about this? Because we talked about who do you listen to, but now it's time, what do you do about this? Start taking a look at who's in your corner. And if you don't find people in your corner who are championing your journey and see it with you, it's time to go find a new fucking group of people. Because ultimately, you'll never outgrow the people next to you. You should always be seeking people who are challenging you to rise higher, to grow bigger, challenging your ideas, and also seeing what's best for you while also making sure it's about you and your journey and they're not trying to take it away from you. And find people who are fucking great at something that you are not. Learned a long time ago that A players look for A pluses. They don't look for Bs and Cs. So don't be fearful. Look for people who give abundantly and give from a place of compassion and from a place of heart. Business is more about collaboration than it is about competition in this new world, my friends. And until next time, We'll see you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show.